Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Needham. I have with me in person a guest. Uh, we flew this person out, this guest, because we wanted to you know, shoot a podcast together. And it was just like a good connection at the right time because I really feel like he's starting to ramp up. I have with me from all the way from North Carolina, Corey Gainham. Welcome, Corey, to the podcast. Thank you for having me, man. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. All right. Well, it's a good time. It's peak fall right now, well, at least in the mountains. We look forward to showing you that. But, you know, you really got on my radar in a few ways. Uh, you, you've been very active in LinkedIn talking about Amazon wholesale. You uh, spoke at AMZ United yeah. uh, just about a month and a half ago. We're going to jump into a little bit what you talked about at AMZ United. But how was the show? How did you get linked into uh, speaking at AMZ United? So, I mean, my guess, you'd correct me if I'm wrong, but you probably saw me just putting out content about Amazon Wholesale and LinkedIn, right? Yeah. And this is something that probably, I want to say three to four months ago is when I started getting active on LinkedIn. And I just looked around and I'm like, man, there's nobody. And I mean, nobody talking about Amazon Wholesale and LinkedIn. I mean, you know, as well as I do, there's a million private label guys, there's a million agencies, but when it comes to people creating content for wholesale sellers on LinkedIn, there's none of that. So I was like, well, if they're going to essentially let me, you know, own the niche on LinkedIn, then that's something I'm going to at least try to do. So, I mean, my strategy is pretty simple. Just well, I called some of the shots with AMZ United. I didn't call all of them. You know, James uh, McConnell, he was making the decisions around, you know, who to speak on what. Mm -hmm. So you were there speaking about uh, delegation. Mm -hmm. I love delegation. I'm not very good at it because, you know, sometimes I like to roll up my sleeves and uh, get stuff done myself. Right. But man, it's, it's powerful if you, if you can uh, get people to, to help out. So, you know, give us a quick spiel. Uh, what did you, you know, people, so we had 700 people at AMZ United, you know, a lot of them flew out and I'm pretty sure your room was pretty full, you know, 150, 200 people there yeah. uh, listening. Give us what you talked about. Yeah. So in a nutshell, I mean, I really just went into the power of delegation, empowering people to do those aspects of your business that you as a business owner shouldn't be doing, right? Yeah. So hiring really good people, usually from overseas, at least that's my experience is delegating to people primarily from the Philippines. Uh, I've got an employee from Nigeria as well. And just like I said, empowering them to do those tasks in your business that are maybe more mundane. How, how do you find people? So I've always found, or we've always found our best employees from onlinejobs.ph. Uh, sure yeah, we, we, we've used it. Yeah, yeah. totally recommend it. It's a fantastic site. And I mean, we've, we've had plenty of employees in the past that have come uh, as referrals, but I prefer to source the talent myself, mm -hmm. um, you know, really put them through the ringer as far as disqualifying a lot of people early, just really yeah. making sure you've got the, the best of the best when it comes to. Yeah. I mean, if you have a decent job posting, uh, you'll get 50 applicants, like no question. Oh, we'll get, if you, I feel like if you mention the word Amazon in the title of your job posting, you'll get two to 300. Really? Yeah. And so that was actually one of the, at least as far as the feedback I got on my presentation, I think something that people enjoyed is some of the disqualifiers that we put in our job posting yeah. to automatically narrow the field from, you know, two, 300 people down to and I'm, I'm guessing some of those qualifiers are just like, you know, like talk about this in your. So the, and I swear I stole this from somebody else. I don't remember who I heard this from, but we've used it for years and it's worked great. So if we post a job posting, like I said, we'll get two, 300 applicants. And what we like to do is in the middle of the job posting somewhere buried in the second or third paragraph, 
we'll put a sentence that says, hey, if you've read this far into the job posting, include the word banana in the subject line of your reply. And I swear to you, 80% of people yeah. do not do that. No, no, they, uh, they copy paste. For some roles, if there's a skill that they already kind of need, I usually ask them, you know, for uh, sample work, like, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to teach them every little piece of their business, like graphic design. Right. Sometimes we've asked them like, hey, can you create a sample of like this? Exactly. And yeah, it takes them like 15 to 30 minutes, but like, you know, if they want the job enough, they'll give you that. Then you learn their style. And there's one freelancer that like, you know, we liked what she did on that. And I've, I have kicked her, I've kicked her a lot of work. Mm -hmm. um, I've used her in a lot of different occasions and it all came down to just like asking for some upfront value. Yep. So we know who you are. And really you know, when there's 200 applicants, you want it to be easy to, to select someone. Well, exactly. And that's a point that I like to make is like, listen, I want to see who wants it, right? I want to make it and this sounds bad, but I try to make it difficult for people to to get to the bottom of my funnel, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm going to get 200 to 300 applicants each time, I'm going to do some, you know, some culling on the front end. What do you think uh, people's first VA should be doing? So I always like to recommend people outsource the just the stuff that doesn't move the needle, right? So seller central management, things like answering customer questions, things like really those repetitive tasks in your business, right? Anything like any admin work, any uh, following up. Will you hire full-time or part-time? Oh, totally. So we'll, it depends on the role and depends on the needs of the business. But what I like to do is usually start them off part-time, you know, 10 to 20 hours per week. Again, depends on the role. And then if they prove themselves and if they're a really good fit, then we'll extend uh, a full-time offer, right? Which for a lot of those folks is more than 40 hours a week. Our head of operations is based overseas and she's 50 hours a week. And like, you know, there's a few reasons that I've talked about the Philippines. I haven't talked about uh, delegation for a year or two on the podcast. I don't think so. But um, Philippines, there's a culture match. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I Not all of them speak English really, really well. And I, then I don't, you know, work with them. I only right. want to work with people that like speak English really well. And if they speak English, they usually know American culture. They do. And that makes things a lot easier. They're more likely to say, no, I don't know how to do that. Right. than like, cause a lot of VAs actually from other countries will just say yes to anything. Yes. And that is the biggest detriment of a lot of, I think that's a lot of sellers mistake is they hire somebody that is just a yes man, right? They don't, yeah. they don't hire people that are willing to challenge them. And I've written a lot of content about this in the past, but the best VAs by far, and I hate calling them VAs, really like calling them virtual employees, but the best ones are the ones that are willing to challenge you. Mm -hmm. The ones that don't just say yes, right? If they have an opinion, they share it. Yeah. And and to your point about hiring good English speakers, that's actually one of the disqualify. That's another disqualifier that we put in our job posting. So at the at the end of each job posting, it's hey, you've got to you've got to submit two things for us to even consider your application. One is you've got to submit a screenshot of your speed test, right? Because you know a lot of folks over there they don't have great internet, and if they've got poor internet, then I don't care if they're the best employee in the world, they're not going to be very effective. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing we have them do is we have them submit a 30 second voice sample explaining why they're the best fit for the job. And so that does two things. One, it lets us see how good is their English, right? Because like you said, you got to be able to communicate with them. And then two, if that voice sample is 31 seconds, we're, we don't consider their application because I want to see people. I want to know that people can follow instructions. If I ask for 30 seconds, <laughs> it's got to be 30 seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that might sound harsh, but... What do you think is a good starting rate for these guys? 
So what I've been recommending to a lot of people recently is five to eight dollars an hour yeah. is a really good starting rate. I think. That's pretty good for them. Yeah. Well, I think you know, and listen, you can find people at three, four dollars an hour, but the the quality, the talent level is just not going to. No, you you would rather you know not go for the cheapest right. uh, employee. You want people that solve the job. Exactly. And what I think a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of people over there, especially in the Philippines, I mean, I've interviewed people that are ex Deloitte, ex Accenture. I mean, these are high level people that have been working for, you know, fortune 500 businesses for years. Like they're really smart, capable people and they're used to making eight, nine, $10 an hour. And if I find somebody that's of that caliber of talent, I'm willing to pay up. Yeah. No, uh, same half of smart scout staff, uh, is in the Philippines and, yeah, we, we pay fairly well. And, but man, they're, they're like, when you get the right person. Oh, they're invaluable, an invaluable team member. Now, tell me, managing Seller Central, what other tasks? So, really, it depends on what you're able to train them to do. So, right now in our business, we've got an admin and then we've got a head of operations. So, the head of operations, I mean, she does a lot of stuff that. I think a lot of people would only trust a U.S. based employee to do, and she's based in the Philippines. So she's doing things. I mean, she's doing things like teeing up purchase orders. So we've got our system down to where she can pretty much tee up a purchase order, and sometimes they're relatively large orders, to where all I have to do is just verify the quantities on the order and just say, you know, yes, no, yes, change quantity here. Okay, we're good. Submit the order. So that way we're able to place relatively large orders with, you know, five to 10 minutes of my effort. Now, AMZ United, I don't think I've, I've talked, I've mentioned it here or there, you Mm -hmm. know, a lot of uh, listeners actually showed up. What surprised you about the show, you know, as a participant? Yeah. So I think what surprised me about the show the most, and this probably surprised you a lot as well, is just how many people showed up, right? I think... I, from what I remember, well, I, think, I saw the numbers coming in. I, 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 know. I, know. <laughs> I was like, cause I think I remember you said, you're like, Oh, if we get 300 people to come out, like that's a win. Yeah, no, that, that's true. 300 still would have, no one would have been like, no one would have been like, this was an unsuccessful event. Yeah. Like even if you had, if you had 170 people there, yeah. that would have been a success in my mind. Right. But I mean, you had what? 700. Well, um, it turns out like now, like if I knew how expensive it was to like run the show, you know, we're talking like a 50K AV budget. If I knew expense, I probably wouldn't have said yes. Right. Uh, or at least doubled the, the price of entry, right? Uh, or, or looked at a different venue, something. But so I'm glad that like we exceeded those expectations and, and, and we had 700 badges printed. So I think, I mean, like I said, obviously a pleasant surprise to me is just the sheer number of people that were willing to make the trek. I'm yeah. sure a lot of people were there locally. I mean, you yeah. made a great move by putting it in the heart of wholesale country, if you want to call it that, yeah, right there in Jersey. It is. But I mean, I came up from North Carolina. I know, I mean, there were people that came from California. Really, people came from all across the country. Uh, there was people flew in overseas. Yeah, oh, so. exactly. And I think we just really underestimate the size of the Amazon wholesale community as a whole. Well, I think there's something to be said about, and like, I wish I could throw some of the other speeches on the podcast because it was the first time, in my opinion, that some of the sub, like some of the content around uh, wholesale was professionalized mm-hmm. in a way that like, you know, like all oh, this, this, like, this is true. This is like, you know, this is not uh, your get rich quick kind of scheming way to build a business. Right. This is like, you know, what are the businesses that do 10 million, that do 50 million, that do a hundred million? Like, what are they doing mm-hmm. from the different angles of the business? And so for a lot of people, it was super fresh content right? where like subjects around operations, 
around brand management and around even uh, compliance, like mm-hmm. first time that it, it gets talked from stage. Right. And so I think it was a win from those standpoints. But, you know, the size, you know, having 700 people does help. Well, and another thing I noticed too, and, and this was completely unexpected to me, I couldn't believe how many people I talked to at the show that were brand new sellers or that like literally have not sold on Amazon yet. <laughs> they, they just showed up and they're like, hey, I saw this event happening. I was local. Uh, you know, it wasn't over the top expensive and, I, and it's something I'm looking to get into. I've been interested in it for a while. So I just showed up. Yeah. I mean, I talked to four or five people that really? have never sold on Amazon before. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what a what a great way to get immersed in the business well, model because you're around people that have been some people that have been doing it for a long time. In our poll, it was about twenty to thirty percent, like brand new sellers. Really, that big? You know, maybe they've been around for uh, a few months selling. Mm-hmm. And then I think I actually asked a question when I was up there of like, "Hey, how many people have actually quit their job in the last year?" And you know, now rely on Amazon. And it was about probably about five percent. Wow. Uh, just like made that move in the last year. And that's awesome. Um, you know, those are the real heroes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, the people that like made that leap. But actually over half of the attendees do over seven figures a year. Wow. It was just that's over impressive. half. Just over half of the attendees. So there was a lot of people, you know, in the industry. So you're out there advocating, you know, uh, creating a lot of content for Amazon Wholesale. Uh, you know, very active on LinkedIn, uh, really, honestly, one of the better follows I have seen, you Thank know, you. very clear, you know, sometimes that could be a reminder or maybe even a framework of like how to like do this, this, and this. One thing that stands out is your uh, approach to like opening up accounts mm-hmm. that is, you know, in the back of everyone's mind, what they think about, they're like, you know, where's my next, you know, $10,000 coming from, right? We're always obsessed about new business. And, but it's actually harder than, you know, I think some people make it out to be really hard, but mm-hmm. I think you kind of break it down into be something kind of simple. What's your approach to opening up new accounts? So I'm, I'm really glad we're touching on this topic. It's funny. I wrote a Twitter thread about this, like two hours ago, right before I came here. But, um, and I think it just comes down to, it's all about positioning, right? Because you could be brand new to the business. If you position yourself properly, you should have no issues opening good accounts. And at the same time, you could be, you could be a seasoned seller, but if you approach a supplier lackadaisically, or, you know, you don't have your ducks in a row when you're reaching out to some of these folks, you're, you might not get the account. So it comes down to positioning yourself properly. And I think the best way to do that is to, to tell suppliers exactly what you want. You'd be as specific as possible. And this is something, I know it works because it works in our business. So as opposed to, you know, an approach that a lot of newer wholesale sellers might take is they're reaching out to suppliers and they're saying, hey, can I have a price list? The supplier might say, well, okay, what are you looking for? What do you want to buy? And they're like, oh, well, we buy anything that's profitable, right? And if in the supplier's shoes, they're just like, okay, this is a tire kicker. They're going to waste my time. But if you approach a supplier and you say, hey, I see you care. And again, we're speaking more so about distributors in this case. Okay. Uh, but if you're, you know, if you approach them and you say, Hey, I've done a little research. I know you guys carry brands X, Y, and Z. I'm actually looking to purchase products X, Y, and Z from those brands. I actually have the exact quantities we're looking to purchase. And if we can come to an agreement on price, we're ready to move forward today. Right. Tell me a single supplier in the world that would not take that call or that would not think that person was serious. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like when you know what you want and you can convey that, then it shows confidence. It shows that you're serious and that you're going to be a repeat buyer. Yeah. It's kind of like 
you know, I think it's very easy to open up like, Hey, we want to open up an account. Right. And then the, then the call or the email thread is like about opening an account. Mm -hmm. But if you move past that and you're talking about, Oh, here's some, here's some brands that you carry. Here's some products that you have. Like, what is this? Like you're, you're kind of like assuming the account is already, it's kind I of like think a, that's a huge part of it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the background. So you could be talking with a, a manufacturer in China and maybe they have like uh, microphones and it's way better if you're very specific yep. about, you know, the microphones that they carry, you know, find out what you want out of those microphones. Are there any updates that you want to make? Just assume that you're already, you know, deep into a relationship on the first encounter because they don't want people kicking the tires. They want a long-term, like, you know, open line of business. And one of my favorite quotes, again, if we're talking about dealing with distributors or, you know, dealing with factories like that, is that money talks, right? And I love to, I think it's a good exercise to put yourself in the shoes of the person you're speaking to and think and and try to frame all of your interactions in a way of, all right, what is going to put money in this person's pocket? So when I'm talking to a supplier, especially if I'm talking to a sales rep, most likely they're making commission. So if I can, quant- the more I can quantify things, the more I can frame things in a way that is leading me to place an order well, with them. They're yeah. they're literally calculating their commission in their head, and they're like, "All right, you know, let's let's make this happen, right?" Yeah. Another way to think about it is like you don't want like adversarial conversations. You want like, "Hey, we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. We're on the same team. Right? I make money when you make money. Exactly. That's it. I love that." Corey, I think you're definitely worth following. You know, you're pretty active on Twitter and uh, LinkedIn, um, but I think you're a little bit more active on Twitter. Yep. Um, what's your handle? So on Twitter, I'm at Ganim Corey. So okay. last name, first name. Last name, first name. All right. Well, we'll, we'll wrap up there. Thanks for, uh, you know, flying all the way out so we could do this in person. Yeah. Hopefully the quality is a little bit higher. You know, we don't have to wait for the latency, but that's a lot of good nuggets that you've dropped. And uh, thanks for jumping on. Thanks for having me, man. Okay, well, that's the pod. We'll see you guys on the uh, next episode. Cheers. One, two, three. Yeah!